Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. It's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Side by Side. Brad Evans here along with Keeley. Um, let's get right into this one. Right? We had massive expectations for this game against Portland. And I'll tell you what, that first half was one of the best first halves that I think we've seen the Sounders play all season. And talking before the game, we had, we had the podcast before the game with season ticket members. And I think from that group, the expectations were high as well. And the, the quotes from Schmetz before the game, um, especially after that big win in Austin, I think the guys are feeling really confident. It's crazy what a big result can do, especially on the road to a group. I think if they would have lost that game in Austin, we'd probably see a different side and mentality that comes out against Portland. But it was the team that we've been waiting for to show up and play a complete 45-minute half. And walking through those goals, the, the first yep. goal was finally a set-piece play, fantastic service. And that's the run I've been asking from Jackson all year. He's so big. Get to the near post. And that's a Chad Marshall special right there. Get to the near post. Flick it on. If it goes on frame, great. If it doesn't, you hope that someone's on the back post. And I remember Freddie Montero from yesteryear. That was his spot. He would just hang out on the back post. And I swear he probably scored a quarter of his goals just hanging out back there. Because you never know what can happen. Not everyone on corner kicks has to rush to the ball and try and challenge. And I, I think that the Sounders may have figured something out on their set pieces because the last couple games, the service has been better, the runs have been better, and we've created a few more opportunities, which is going to be key heading hopefully into these playoffs that these goals, and, and especially away games that we have coming up, is playing for set pieces and playing really smart. Um, and that first goal was just was a great start to the game, and Raul scores, and, and the stadium was so loud. And they were so happy for Raul to get that goal and, and get that one off of his back. And then he was confident moving forward. You could see his movement. He wanted the ball. He was begging for the ball even over the top. Like, guys, I'm here. Put me in. I'm going to do the work. And that's something I don't think we've seen from him in a while. And before the game, I got into garage level. You probably heard me on the broadcast say this, but I want to repeat it. Is in that garage space, for those of you that haven't been down into EX1, the ceilings are, you know, 50 feet high. It's a massive space. You could fit, you know, 150, 200 cars down there, no problem. That's where all the tour buses park when concerts come into town. So it's a massive space. And all I could hear, I thought there were speakers on with, you know, some Latin American music, um, speaking Spanish. And I get closer and closer and walk because I always park in the very back. And I, I look kind of in a car, and I see the hat on, and I know it's Raul right away, sitting in his car with the music on full blast, with the windows up. They weren't even down. And I walked up aside, and I knocked, and he, he turned on the music, rolled it down, and I said, what's up, man? And I said, are you ready? And he said, yeah, just getting motivation. And, and that's the only thing he said. And he was focused, and I said, all right, I need two from you tonight. And I walked away, and he rolled up the windows. Music went straight back to full blast. And he was getting himself into a game mode, and I've – I've never seen him do that before in a game. And so that showed me, like, okay, this guy's showing up to play. And that first one is is a testament to him, I think, just being focused. Because at the end of the day, it's more mentality than it is the physicality of it. 
right? These guys have showed all year that they can run around a field, they can do the work. Then it's just that mentality, that shift of I'm going to be an assassin. I'm going to be in the place that I should be. And if things go well and the set piece is drawn up how it should be, then I'm going to find an opportunity to score. And he did. And then the Sounders keep pushing. And Portland looked atrocious in the first half. Um, I haven't seen them play. I don't watch many of their games, but I haven't seen them play that bad in quite some time. They just had no answer for the Sounders' press, the Sounders' determination. Um, and then Leo Chu is rewarded with pure effort yep. in that goal. Pure 100%. effort. And, uh, and then, you know, start of the story is rips off his jersey. And at the time, I, I didn't have a problem with it because Leo's a guy who doesn't get into challenges, really. I mean, if he does make a challenge, it's, it's like a good 50-50. He's not the enforcer or, or a center back that you would think might have to make a, uh, a last-ditch tackle in a game. And so for me, I, I didn't have an issue. And halftime whistle blew, Sounders are flying. And, and let's also talk about um, JP standing on the line when Portland's pressing and all the guys – you know, finding a right spot and what would have been a Portland goal and JP standing on the line to secure things and heads that off and knew who bicycle kick out uh, to clear the ball. And, and the crowd was loud after that one too. Reminded me of that bicycle kick in Portland, how loud that fa the fans got. And just that jolt of energy and the Sounders go in at halftime, two nothing, playing great. And I put my headset down and walked out and Chance coming in for halftime um, was like, did you, did you talk about it? And I was like, no, you know what? Honestly, I, I didn't even talk about it. So obviously Chance was was thinking about it already. Hey, this guy's got a yellow card for something like that. What if something happens in the second half? Where do the Sounders find themselves? And then we go into the second half. And I, I haven't I didn't see the replay because I was so focused on on what was going on on the field. From what I was told afterwards, not a yellow card. It was really soft, if anything. Debatable, I guess, but that changed the whole course of of the game completely it flipped flipped the game on its head Portland came out Evander took a hold of the game and um, showed what kind of playmaker he can be with time and space and when you're a man down and you got a guy like that it was always going to be a tall task for the Sounders to to pull that one out and you don't want to defend for 45 minutes with it a man it was a down. long time it man. was a long long time even if it wasn't the full it felt well, it was five minutes long. of extra time yeah and so it <laughs> It just really took the wind out of the Sounders' sails and, and gave it all to Portland at that time. And they pushed, and you know, credit to them. They get one back, and of course it had to be Espria with his first touch in the game. And, and that's just disappointing for me. Um, I think disappointment is the only word to describe the feeling walking out of that stadium. Um, a golasso by, by Evander, you know, he's right-footed. What can we do? You know that he's right-footed. He finds time and space as Portland breaks and just picks out the top corner and stuff, you know, does his best. But at the end of the day, he's never getting to that one. And, um, you know, they kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And, and then the Sounders were able to hold. I think when Ariaga brought on, uh, got brought on, it, it just added a bit more stability. Um, something, yeah, hindsight 2020, can you make that change earlier? Of course, we can always say that. But at the time, you're winning 2 nothing. You're confident. Um, and I know the Sounders train that way. Every team does. I do it with my high school team. You train a man down to know that if it happens, this is how we're going to play and prepare. You don't do it that often, but when you do it, you should do it well because Portland came out and, and punished us. I think Portland in particular is a tough team to play a man down with because they're so chaotic and random that, like you said, yes, you plan on this is what we're going to do with 10 players, but 
like they look so terrible sometimes and then they do something incredible and it just comes out of chaos to me yeah. when it's, I it's watch always them. chaos it's never you know there, there's something to be said about a counterattacking game and, and that sure, being yeah, beautiful course. right um so it, it's it's a counterattacking team and it's done in a way where yes it causes chaos but that's what they train on right right and so that's where it becomes is it is it the beautiful game with portland no is it effective not for the majority of this season against the sounders is it yeah it's been pretty effective um and so, yeah, the Sounders find themselves with, with a point, and they end up with five out of a possible nine on the week, which is good. It's okay. Um, better than the alternative. 100%. But, you know, you, you kind of head into this long break now. The guys don't play until September 16th against Dallas, um, another team that's kind of trying to find the stride that, that I don't think anyone can really figure out just yet. So you got a long break, and I think the guys had a couple more days off to to rest up and and get healthy. And uh, yeah, I, I think Raul has to be disappointed to to then be taken off, and he was probably feeling motivated. He just walked, you know, right out of the locker room at the end of the game, disappointed, because everyone thinks that they can make a difference, um, and the coaches have that difficult decision to make tactical subs, and that one. Maybe did pay off, maybe didn't. The Sounders had a, a couple opportunities late in the game, actually, to press. So the fight was there. The work rate is there. The intensity was there. It was just a couple moments of lapses playing a man down, and the Sounders find themselves um, still sitting in second place with a number of games in hand. You know, Miami beats LAFC, and so the only thing that matters is that the teams below us must win all their games for the Sounders to be in real trouble, and that's not a guarantee. So we can't bank on other teams at this point. We still have three road games in a row. So September 16th against FC Dallas. Um, and then four days later, we head to Colorado, um, a team that has fired Robin Frazier. And we know now when teams fire coaches that they get a little bit of life. They've only won three games on the season. That's and I wow. listened to the, the press I the conference. in front of me, and I did not realize that. Yeah, I listened to the press conference from their president, and there's just no accountability there. One, one, one reporter asked, when was the last time that the Cronkies were in the stadium? And he, and he really couldn't answer the question. It's a team where the ownership does not care about that team. They're not willing to make the investment. I talked to Marcelo Balboa, um, you know, former Rapid. We all know U.S. Men's National Team member, announcer now for Apple TV before at, at the Sounders practice. And he was like, it's, it's a disaster. It's a disaster in Colorado. Um, they want they, they sold the players at the wrong time. Um, they did such a good job in 2019, 2020, 21. Even they were you know off to a flying start. I think they won the Western Conference in 21 or, or 20. I can't remember which one. So you you thought they had everything figured out, and then all of a sudden they sold a few players and decided, oh, we're going to go domestic and pick guys up off waivers, and we're going to trade, and it just hasn't panned out. Yeah, um, it's one of those firings where Robin Frazier should kind of be. I think he should be okay with it. He can, yeah, land, I, he can land somewhere better and that is a franchise where they care. Yeah, yeah. And he deserves that because he, he, he is exactly. a good coach. He's he, a great he coach. He is a good coach. And, and he's a great guy. And uh, I just feel bad for, for that city because I remember playing there and, and the stadium is, you know, relatively packed. Yeah. Right? And it's a team that loves soccer. And it's a team with a rich history. It's one of the original MLS teams. And to see where they are at right now is um it's it's kind of sad 
Um, it's a good demo for MLS too. I feel like yeah, it's a the great city demo. of Denver. Yeah, it's Young, like very younger similar crowd. Similar to it, Seattle, it young fits, crowd. Yeah, yeah, it fits that eighteen to thirty-five year old that that MLS is targeting. And you know, you got the universities there. You got everything. So we head into into uh, Colorado four days later, and we'll see what Colorado brings. And ultimately, we got to see what the Sounders bring. Cause that's that's going to be a trap game right there. And then we head to Nashville at the end of the month. And that's a massive one, and we're all going to that one. That's a key, a key matchup uh, for the Sounders as we travel um, to an Eastern Conference team to pick up points in, in a really difficult place to play. So three really tough road games for the Sounders, and not tough because the teams are amazing. Circumstance. Circumstance changes everything. So Austin's in the same position as most of those teams, and the mentality is there. We saw them get the result in Austin. I think they can do it. They can pull it out here. And uh, if they get six out of nine, I think that's that's massive moving forward as we head into what would be the last three games of the season at that point. Yeah, I think it's just very important that we maintain our place in the table because I'm looking at the Western Conference. Dallas is ninth with 34. We're second with 41. That is a tiny margin. Yeah. And the top nine teams make it. Eight and nine, The eight and nine seed have to play a play-in game. Once they do the play-in game, round one is a best of three. So a lot of games on Apple TV. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of and playoff games. It's a ultimately right now it is a two game swing. If Dallas loses two games, they're going to be out. If the Sounders win two games, you could possibly looking be looking at second place. I mean, the Galaxy could still make the playoffs with twenty nine. Colorado is yeah. really the only team out of it with nineteen points. Otherwise, they're everyone's gone. in play. Yeah. So a, a tough task for the Sounders, but one where they have to be feeling, I think, confident. If you looked at this early on in the year and you looked at a three-game stretch toward the, towards the end of your season and you look at those teams that have been pretty good, Dallas and, and Nashville, but now even in the standings, Nashville's still trying to kind of figure out where they're at. Um, wh- where, do, where do they sit, Keeley? Let's see. Nashville is in seventh place. Right. They have 40 points. Right. So, again, a team that's trying to figure it out. So, I, I think we're okay going into this, and I think the Sounders have to be confident in looking at the standings because it could be the other way around. Those teams could be sitting in, you know, first or second, and then we're really looking under the gun. So, they must take advantage of this opportunity. So, it's still, still a tough task. And uh, that kind of leads me to – I do want to talk about Miami. And – I know that we've heard a lot about Miami, and uh, we talked about Messi and his impact. Fans are probably sick and tired of hearing about it, but I, I, I just I don't think so. They shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I. It's really the only games that I've been watching. Uh, Ninety-minute games are watching Miami play because I'm waiting for the downfall, and they just haven't. They've been insane. Me- Messi's goal contributions since he came. It, it's just. It's unreal how you know those three guys have completely shifted the course. They, they've had a couple other additions as well, but really those three guys have shifted the course for an entire club in the snap of a finger. And the only thing I can think of is Nico's addition in 2016 mm. to the Sounders squad. In our position, towards the end, we were out of the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, one guy comes in and makes all the difference. And the team goes on a run, and we win MLS Cup. I, I cannot think of another impactful moment in MLS where a player comes in and completely changes the trajectory of a club. And so maybe that's why I'm so enthralled by it. Not not just because he's, you know, the great one, but 
because of the turnaround and the impact that he's had. Because I, I, I just figured Miami was dead in the water, and they still have a chance, which is wild. And Messi seems beyond motivated. And for them to go to LAFC and win 3 nothing and, and spank them, yeah, were they fortunate? And, and their goalkeeper's been, been fantastic. But his ability to change a game by himself is just – it's unreal. And uh, I, I, I don't know. When, when you're watching, do you feel the same way? To me, watching Messi turn this franchise around is the difference between just a great player who wants to go out and play great versus a great player who wants to make the team and the franchise around him great. Right. That's been the biggest difference. Because even, I mean, I remember when Messi first got signed, no one thought that it was going to really help Miami this year. Yeah. They were like, oh, we're going to watch Messi do some great things. We're going to, you know, start their rebuild. And... Here we are, you know, a couple weeks later, League's Cup champions, undefeated in MLS play. They're in Open Cup final. Open Cup final. They could, win, they could win a double in the matter of uh, two months. With yeah, and even when Messi in. doesn't score, he gets two assists. It's like this guy is the epitome of success. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. He just, He's the epitome he, he, of success. It's like Nico when he first came. He plays the right pass every single time he has the ball. And that, to me, is the most impactful thing. Now, the question is, if the Cronkies, being the billionaires that they are, want to make an investment, they could do it if they wanted to turn that team around. And we've seen it. All it takes is maybe three incredibly high-quality players that are motivated. Can you do it in Denver? If the money's right, I think guys will go just about anywhere. And, and it puts pressure on the rest of the league to say, you will be left behind if you don't, because that's the that's the direction that the league is going, right? And the Sounders had Starfire put a little bit of money in there, and then we knew that we weren't going to get a training facility for a long time. That wasn't even on the radar. So we made massive investments into players, and we got the championships, we got the results, and then Starfire, we say, okay, let's take a pause. Now in our deck of cards with our ownership group, we're going to build a fantastic training facility. Now does that set us up for the next round of a couple massive players coming in here and saying, oh, wow, where we're sitting right now, we're looking out, it's starting to come together, it's going to be world-class. These are the ebbs and flows, and you just haven't seen it in a, in a place like Colorado. And no, even the though mid, the LA yeah, Galaxy no. is in LA, I don't think the facilities are where they need to be to keep on attracting these massive stars. So it, it has to be that total package to be successful. And, and the investment has to come at the right time. So disappointed for Colorado and ecstatic for Miami. As we close this thing out, we're going to head into Dallas, and we're going to preview that one in depth next week. Yes, more, we'll get more, into it next More in week. depth, yeah, as they kind of, you know, get tidbits online of their roster and kind of what it'll shape up being. We'll preview Dallas next week. We'll take the rest of these next couple days to see what the Sounders are doing at training and, and get a better idea of, of where this team is going in the future. So I'll be headed out to Spokane um, to they're, you know, decimated by fires out there. And so I'll be heading out to hand out jerseys at uh, one of the hospitals of our partner Providence uh, to some of the kids that are sitting in the hospital at the end of this month, a quick day trip. Um, we have a couple rave events coming up that are going to be super fun. So keep an eye out for those and the 50, 50 raffle. Uh, I was selling tickets before the game, and I don't know if enough people in the stands even know what the 50-50 raffle is. So if you're so listening, cool. you buy a ticket. It's one ticket for 10 bucks, 10 for 20 bucks, 50 for 50, 200 tickets for 100 bucks. At, 
70th minute mark, I think it closes, right? So the amount of money that's raised, let's say it's 20 grand, one winner, $10,000 goes into that winner's pocket, 10,000 goes to the Rave Foundation. So we split with the Rave Foundation and one winner in the stands. So make sure if you see it in the concourse, you commit the Rave Foundation, we all know is doing fantastic things. It's not going anywhere else but to allow kids to play a little bit more soccer. So if it's one ticket, great. If it's 20, thank you. Even beyond that is, is a massive commitment and you might end up winning a massive pot of cash. Someone won, I think, 4,500 bucks. This just for, you know, maybe they bought one ticket, uh, but it all helps in the end. And we also need volunteers. The yes. more volunteers we have, the more uh, eyes and, and pockets we can reach to, to help it grow. So if you're interested, I think you could probably find it somewhere online with the Rave Foundation and reach out uh, maybe to your ticket salesman, um, ticket saleswoman that uh, you want to be involved to help raise some money. It's, you know, 20, 25 minute commitment before the game. And it's really, really easy. I had a great time doing it, reaching out to fans and getting them to commit, snapping some photos. So uh, just another great opportunity for the Ray Foundation so we can continue to do what we do. Um, Ray Foundation, will be. we will also be doing a radio watch party with Ray Foundation for the 16th at Flat Stick Pub in South Lake Union. We're awesome. going to do pre-half and post-radio from there. Great. So check All that out, All fans open to come, hang out at Flat Stick, play some putt-putt, some good games. Those guys are awesome over there. So um, that's it for this edition of Side by Side. Thank you. Subscribe, like, whatever you do. Um, Tell your friends all about us. Until next week, we'll talk to you later.